Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trading moderately higher this morning following a muted session on Wall Street overnight. Investors are keenly awaiting two batches of U.S. inflation numbers, the first of which is due out tonight. Joining me now to break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Good morning, Michelle. Let's start this morning in Singapore, down at the Singapore Exchange, where at least three listed companies are making headlines because they've either been told to delist or have made an announcement about going private. Now, they include the investment company GK Go, the biotech holding company Saroja Investments, and the construction counter Lian Beng. Ryan, can you give us a quick overview of what's going down here? Yeah, let's start with Saroja Investments. So they have received a notification of delisting. They are trying to appeal for more time and this is after um, they were rejected from doing so to acquire a new business. So their previous appeal did not work. So they're trying to get more time to do so. So, so far, this is because of a failure to meet listing rules uh, and this is going to help in terms of a potential reverse takeover that they are trying to do, which has not been able to be executed in time. So that's for Saroja, trying to get time to execute their RTO. And then you have GK Go. So here is a more routine kind of thing where they made an offer and this was at $1.26 per share in cash to take the company private. So voters liked the deal and they took it. So more than 90%. 91.88% to be exact, took up the offer and there you have it. It is confirmed, official that they will now take it private and they lose the free float that is required to be listed. So they'll be delisted. And Liam Bain's controlling Ong family through investment holding company OSC Capital, they made a voluntary unconditional cash offer to buy out minority shareholders at 62 cents a share. So that is... Not so great news. Less than half of Lembing's group net asset value, which was about $1.54 per share as of the end of November. So that is far below the NAV, but the offer is 8.8% higher than the counter's last transacted price of about $0.57 cents back in April the 6th. Fantastic overview. Now, stock exchanges would generally prefer to make the headlines with new listings, with IPOs, not with companies that are leaving the exchange. So what do we make of these three departures, GK Go, Saroja and Lian Beng? What do they mean for the Singapore exchange? Yeah, on the surface, it doesn't look super because you've got companies being delisted and the exchange is in the business of getting retail traders and investors to trade companies that are listed. So if you have less supply for them to do so, that's not really peachy, right? You want the volumes, you want the activity, and that's where they get the fees from. And this is off the back of a year where we've seen recently a spate of offers to privatize, to delist back in 2022. And this has raised a lot of questions. Are we seeing low liquidity? Are we seeing poor valuations driving many of these companies to the list? Long term is not great for the exchange and for the local retail crowd because they might be forced to go elsewhere for their trading action. So hopefully we see this turn around. 
Well, there is one possible new listing in the mix. It's a homegrown cancer diagnostics company called Merxis, and it has submitted documents to go public on the Singapore Exchange. The listing is far from a done deal, though. Tell us more. Yeah, so homegrown cancer diagnostics company Merxis has made its first submission of documents to the SGX for an IPO. And this could see it raise between 100 and $200 million. So this could see it value the company at around $700 million, which could then become the biggest IPO in Singapore in over a year. But early stages um, for the, to go to the finishing line. Wow. So far this year, there's only been one new listing on the Singapore Exchange, and that was the food and beverage play YKGI. So if uh, Merxis or Meraxis goes through, it will be second. SGX shares, meanwhile, fell 1% last uh, yesterday. They are up about 5%, though, since the beginning of the year. All right, next up, let's turn to the state courts, where one of Singapore's best-known oil tycoons, or more accurately, best-known former oil tycoon, appeared yesterday. 80-year-old O.K. Lim, the founder of the Collapse oil firm Hin Leong Trading, is on trial. There are more than 100 charges against him. I won't ask you to list all 100, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Take a breath. Uh, remind us, give us an overview. Why is Lim in court? Yeah, your memory might be a bit fuzzy because this was back in 2020. So this is how long it's been dragging out for. And he just went to trial yesterday. So... Over 100 charges, why is he in trouble? You might remember Hin Leong being in trouble in the height of the pandemic when oil prices collapsed because there was this outlook that nobody needed oil and then prices went down. And Hin Leong, of course, being an oil player, suffered alongside many other oil players. But the thing here is, it turns out there was more behind the scenes. And this is something that happened between March 2020 and rather um, March 19, 2020 and March 23, 2020, where he apparently induced HSBC to disperse nearly 112 million US dollars to his company, Hinlong Trading, on the basis of false premises, which is how he apparently entered into two contracts for the sale of oil to China Aviation Oil and Unipac Singapore with falsified Paperwork, So that is pretty, pretty much the essence. And of course, um, there's been more accusations that that was just a tip of the iceberg. So that loan ended up being a big um, part to play in seeing the collapse of Hinglong Trading, which is under hefty debts of $4.6 billion owed to more than 20 banks. So he is in a lot of trouble. Wow. Yeah, that trial set to continue through July. We'll keep an eye out on it for you. Next up, it is time to invest like Warren Buffett. The Oracle of Omaha is uh, ramping up some of his investments. What is he looking at, Ryan? He is looking at Japan. So this is with actually something he's already invested in. Five major Japanese trading houses. So he was doing an interview with the Nikkei newspaper and he says he's very proud of his existing investments in them. So if you're not familiar with Japanese trading houses, they have their fingers in many parts of the economy. So you're looking at energy, anything to do with property, food, textiles, anything that has 
to do with riding on the fortunes of the Japanese economy. So if Japan does well, these companies will do well. And these include the likes of Mitsubishi Corporation, Mitsui & Co., Ituchi Corporation, Murabeni Corporation, and Sumitomo Corporation. So all in, he raised his stake from around 6 plus percent in many of them to now 7.4% in all five trading houses. And he is saying he is thinking about investing in them even further. Mm. And he pushed them up because shares of Japan's major trading houses, Mitsubishi, Mitsui & Co, Itochu, Marubeni and Sumitomo, all jumped after Buffett said he raised his holdings in them. In an interview, Buffett compared the five trading houses to his own company, Berkshire Hathaway. So you're just fresh back from Japan, uh, Ryan. When Buffett first invested in these companies a couple of years ago, his move did not quite ignite the Japanese market. But do you think this time having a feel of the ground, this time it will be different? Yeah, I suppose he could have a case for riding on a recovery in Japan, of course, being helped by many other factors as well, including China, the hospitality side of things. But it really strikes me as a bit of an unfair Warren Buffett advantage or what we call a, what you might call a rich man advantage, right? Someone just saying, hey, I'm going to buy more stuff and the share price goes up and then maybe he won't buy the stuff. He'll sell this stuff. Whatever he says, people will just jump on board and you have to also put into contrast how we sometimes demonize short sellers. Mm -hmm. But in this case, some of these rich guys could be front-running their stock buys so it is a very interesting discussion to talk about how fair it is that you know, these rich tycoons can talk about anything. Sometimes you might imagine Elon Musk just making some obscure references and then some stock goes up. So you have to, I guess, take that into consideration before jumping on any of these hot stock tips from anyone. Yeah, what goes up must come down. At least uh, three of the trading houses that Buffett is bullish on are outperforming the Japanese market, though. Shares of Sumitomo are up 10% since the beginning of the year. Mitsubishi up 15%. Marubani Corp is up more than 25%. Impressive showings. All right, time for corporate news, and we do it up or down style. Let's start with Google yeah, I'm going up with Google. So oh, yeah. this is around news on Google TV. I think for many of us here, we might not be familiar with Google TV because this is a big US thing. Mm -hmm. And so what's here in the news is Google TV getting over 800 free channels. So imagine that. It's almost three channels a day for you to watch. So <laughs> that is going to help it get a bigger foothold and market share when it comes to your screen time. And of course, it can then sell more advertising and integrate it into many other Google things. So that is going to be a plus for me. That is exciting. All right, it's down in my books and here's why. A couple of negative headlines about Google here in Asia this morning. So in India, startup companies are taking Google to court to stop its in-app billing system. In South Korea, regulators have fined the tech giant more than $40 million for blocking the release of its video mobile games on a competitor's platform. So down for Google in my my books. Let us, however, look at a straggler, Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin is up. 
And I say this reluctantly because it really depends on which day you're asking. <laughs> so it is finally past that key psychological level of $30,000. So if you are a technical trader, then hey, this is going to help with the support case. Yeah. Um, if you look at some of the possible fundamental reasons, some people are saying, hey, inflation data is going to help steer crypto prices higher. And then you have Ether also alongside it going higher. One of the things here is that there's going to be a technology upgrade tonight that could improve the Ethereum network. So Ether also getting alongside Bitcoin. Mm, Bitcoin has climbed past that important 30,000 US dollar mark you mentioned for the first time since June last year. So it is up about 80% since the beginning of the year and currently trading around $30,310. So and up for Bitcoin today. Let's look at new, new loans in China. Yep, so that's going to be an up for me. So it was a record first quarter as we saw banks being encouraged to lend more to companies. And this is to support the reopening narrative there, of course, uh, with the lifting of restrictions. So we had what's being described as front load lending. So we could see this taper off or not. Uh, but for now, Q1 was a record. Yeah, yeah. Very important point to make that the amount of new loans in China may have hit record levels in the first quarter of this year, but a word of warning because it this may be front-loading lending. So those numbers could drop off as we move forward. Let's look at UBS. Okay, UBS is going to be a down for me. And this is with the Swiss parliament coming to say that they are a bit worried about how things will be executed once UBS is combined with Credit Suisse. And they are a bit worried that the combination could be too big. So this is going to be a hot topic for Swiss Parliament. Mm -hmm. And I think it is potentially going to mean regulations, supervisions, compliance costs, and of course politics in the mix. And there's going to be a big headache when it comes to running a business. Yeah, JP Morgan thinks that UBS's takeover of Credit Suisse is going to turn UBS into a, quote, powerhouse of wealth management. So a strong vote of endorsement and an up for UBS in my books. All right, overnight, the last word goes to Elon Musk because he tweeted this single letter of the alphabet X. Why is that, Ryan? Yeah, so guess what? Twitter Inc., is no more. What? That is what's happening. So the <laughs> details of it is Twitter Inc. has been rebranded oh, to boy. X Corporation. So a new name and everyone's trying to read into it. What's going on, Elon Musk? And the leading theory is that mm -hmm. Elon Musk is trying to create a super app, which was something he actually referenced back in an earlier tweet. And this is how he wanted to create something along the lines of um, WeChat, WeChat. Um, Grab, no, a super app that will have everything. And if you think about it, Elon Musk is almost doing everything. He's got Tesla, he's got Starlink, he's got a borrowing company, he's got Twitter, and who knows what else to come. And then maybe he could combine it all and make it into a very compelling product. Oh my goodness. 
Twitter no longer exists. What is this? X.com. Well, he has a sprawling empire. If you can pull it all together and allow us to do things like, I don't know, what, what can you do on WeChat? You can do pretty much everything, right? Buy movie tickets, mm. make appointments uh, with your orthodontist and the like. So uh, it remains to be seen. People are still unclear at the moment um, what the name change means for Twitter, which has seen quite an overhaul, right, in the past year. Twitter, meanwhile, has been in a feud with another online platform called Substack. It was blocking links to Substack after the platform announced a new feature called Substack Notes, which looks a lot like Twitter. So it's based on subscriptions, not paid ads, and some observers think Substack may be Twitter's successor. Have you had a chance to look at this? Yeah, this is quite a popular tool for many newsletter writers, especially in the finance community. So a lot of them actually make money because of the subscribers that are willing to pay for these newsletters. So it is a very compelling business model because you have a community who is already willing to pay. In this case, um, Substack has that uh, monetization model going for it. So that is now going to be a potential rival for Twitter because of a new feature that is looking a lot like Twitter. So they've come up from being a newsletter type model to now um, a new service that will allow users to write what's called Substack notes. So short form content and you will be able to comment and share. Very similar to Twitter. And I think maybe... Elon Musk is feeling threatened because he has blocked links to Substack. And I think that's a big um, reference to how important or how much of a threat he feels it could be. Yeah, not a good idea. Uh, Musk coming across as someone standing in the way of writers making a living. So, you know, writers being the, uh, the, the, the driving force for content creators, not sure Twitter wants to be known for standing in the way of this particular group's ability to make money. So we'll see how this all turns out, of course, uh, for Substack and Twitter. In the meantime, this is Market View. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Have a good day ahead. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.